Welcome to the Sharing the Heart of the Matter podcast, where we bring you talented creatives who inspire you to reach your next level of personal growth. I'm with Leon, and in this episode, I'm with my co-host, Dr. Vicki Atkinson, and we are back with the amazing blogger and author, Stuart Bergens. We revisit a couple of Stuart's recent pieces that highlight the kind of people who help us and inspire us to stay steady. Stuart writes so beautifully, period. He hooks us and we get to come along for the ride. In this case, about the moments of doubt and characters that help us to hold on. The people that make us want to be there for others when life feels unsteady. In his essay, Hand on the Plow, his co-worker, Miss Wade, was that influence. The grounded older woman who counseled Stuart as a new employee to exhibit determination in the wake of a mistake. Stuart tells us why she was so credible and why the memory of her stuck with him for decades after they worked together. We also chat about Stuart's recent piece that was published in the local Scoop magazine, Because Granddaddy Liked to Fish. His family roots are so strong, whether with Nanny on the farm or with Granddaddy on Chesapeake Bay. No wonder that Stuart can capture the feeling of family so well in his writing. Because Stuart knows how to capture the hilarity of family and being together so well. He tells us the secret of family traditions and togetherness are how they are born of balance, the long view, and a lot of laughter. Please join us for this great episode on staying steady in moments of doubt and also in the long view of family and tradition. We know you'll love it. On a programming note, this is the last episode of 2023. We'll see you in 2024. Happy holidays. Hey, Wynn. How are you? Good. Vicki and I are so delighted to have you back on the podcast. We love your stories and your wisdom. <clears throat> Woohoo! <laughs> you recently republished a post entitled Hand on the Plow in honor of long ago colleague's death. Can you read it for us? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. I reposted this. As you said, I first wrote this back when the pandemic first began and we were all in doubt of what was going on, what it was, when it would end, and that sort of thing. And that's what prompted me to remember these words from an old colleague. It's called Hand on the Plow. I watched the morning news, but turned away as hopelessness washed over me while they reported infection rates and death tolls. Isolation was helping to end this nightmare, so they said, but for many of us, it seemed an exercise in futility. When a reporter stressed the importance of perseverance, even when we doubted, an old memory crossed my mind of a time when I was unsure of my own next steps. Nope, Miss Wade shook her head. Here's what you're going to do. She put her arm around my shoulder. Keep your hand on the plow and hold on. I understood the metaphor. Don't dismay was her message. I should simply continue what I'd been doing. It was the 1980s and I was a 20-something kid working a part-time retail job. Miss Wade was an older African-American woman who had worked there full-time for a number of years. She showed me around, trained me, and a couple of weeks into the job was already my mentor and friend. New in my position, one day I rang up a sale incorrectly. 
technology not being then what it is today, that wasn't hard to do. My mistake, which was realized later, cost the store less than $20, but that was serious stuff. For an entire tense week, I came to work expecting to be fired. During that time, Miss Wade listened to my worries, but smiled and encouraged me to keep my chin up and just keep doing what I was doing. I thought maybe I should quit. You can't quit when things seem hopeless. That's exactly when you don't quit, Miss Wade looked, up, looked at me and put her hand on her hip. Just hold on, I told you. Keep your hand on the plow and hold on. I continued whining, bothered by the embarrassing thought of having to explain to everyone why I'd been fired. Not to mention I'd have to find another job. The situation seemed gloomy and I told her so. Miss Wade patiently repeated that I should keep going even through confusion and fear. It was okay that the outcome wasn't known. The point was to push on and take it day by day. So that's what I did. A few days later, I was informed unceremoniously, the personnel chalked up my mistake to inexperience and a learning curve. Because I had continued working and demonstrated determination, they let it go. Wow, just as Miss Wade said, the best thing to do was carry on in spite of overwhelming bouts of apprehension. What a valuable lesson that good woman taught me. I turned back to the morning news, more reports of infections and deaths. So much uncertainty, when will this end? What can any of us do? I'm not the only person experiencing moments of confusion and worry. The entire world is swallowed up by these feelings as we wait for a resolution. For now, our responsibilities are to follow advice and keep at it even during moments of doubt, especially during moments of doubt. A solution will eventually come. In the meantime, I can't offer an answer to this mess, but thanks to Miss Wade, I can offer a bit of advice. Keep your hand on the plow and hold on. That is beautiful. I love the way, I mean, in capturing that time of right at the beginning of COVID when it was just, everything was unknown, as you say, so well. And and offering that piece of wisdom that she had for, especially in moments of doubt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She sounds like a perfect guide and mentor for a 20-something she was. I didn't, you know, I started that job. I didn't know what I was doing or the culture of the workplace or any of that. And, um, you know, she had a way of calming your nerves by just stating the obvious. Just do what you're here to do and it'll all be okay. Yeah, there's a lot of backbone in that. That's right. Yeah. And Stuart, when I read this, I had a little flashback of my own. I was the last person on the planet that should have been working around the same time, you know, in high school in a stereo store back in the days when, you know, we, we sold components, mm -hmm. turntables and speakers and amplifiers were separate. And I should never have been there. And I figured everything got sold in a set. So I sold a turntable to someone and just handed off all the other stuff that I thought <laughs> needed to go with it. And there was someone who was like, you know, Miss Wade with me also, who just said, you know, you, you had no ill will. You weren't trying, you know, to sell something to a friend. But it was so funny. I had not thought about that for years. But those moments when we have someone who's so solid and you know you and when use this word steadfast to guide us when they see us really crumbling on the inside it means so so much but you after that encounter and working with her you didn't actually get to see her again but then learned that she passed away is that right that's right we worked together maybe three years you know off and on because I was part-time and she was full-time but not until that was in the 80s. 
And we have a mutual friend who I've kept up uh, with Miss Wade, you know, marginally over the years. But I didn't learn until uh, June of this year that she had passed away. Wow. And when you learned of it, did you feel touched by her all over again? It made me remember all the all of the things I'd always talked to friends about and some some other things I had forgotten about. She was a very funny woman. I come from a family of strong women, and she always reminded me of um, one of my aunts, maybe, you know, who was like an assistant. Every, every, all of us kids at home had an assistant. You know, you had your mother, but all of your aunts were her assistants. <laughs> and Miss Wade, Wade was my assistant in you know, guiding me not just through that job, but through a lot of we talked about a lot of things over the course of three years. It wasn't just about how to ring up this or ring up that, you know, she yeah. was, she had, had, she was older than me, much older than me and had a history and a, and a life of her own. And she was willing to, to pass on, you know, the guidance and, and, um, you know, good words to help me when she saw that I needed a little help. Yeah. And sometimes the best wisdom is the simplest. And, you know, you've said when you break down what her advice was, it really, it suits a lot of different circumstances and is applicable. But for her, it probably comes, came from her family's roots, you know, the very literal, you know, stay, stay steady, keep your hand on the plow had an agrarian, you know, probably, you know, horrific origin, right? Going back to slaves. And, you know, if we think about our country's history. That's right. As I said in my uh, essay, she was an African-American woman, and I appreciated her words at the time because they made me think, oh, I won't get fired. But it was probably 20 years later when it dawned on me, uh, you know, why she said what she said, where the roots of her thoughts came from and that kind of guidance. And the fact that she was willing to share with me, you know, what she considered good old fashioned wisdom, and it was, um, Mm -hmm. you know, made me feel even better. Yeah. It, I mean, it speaks to almost, and you, you said this a second ago, that she she saw you. She saw that you needed something. She was someone, mm-hmm. a person who reached out and touched people when she saw um, that they needed a little, a little right. help. And that's, you know, we sometimes I think, think of kindness and generosity as big things. But one of the things that you often do in your stories is talk about the little ways that we need it. She probably never thought again about helping me through that week because it was, you know, that's, she didn't do it for anything other than, gosh, this poor little kid doesn't know what he's doing in here. Let me just help him, help him through this week. But, uh, but, but yes, I like to write about uh, these moments in life because we all have them. We all see them. We just don't all write about them maybe, but uh, those are the powerful things. Those little moments. Right. Right. Definitely, definitely. Well, praise to Admonia Wade, right? Sing her praise. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. May we all do a little bit of the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were recently published again in the local Scoop magazine about your history on Chesapeake Bay. What struck Vicki and I about that is how much your family likes to be together. And, you know, we just have had Thanksgiving as we record this. Um, there's always jokes about, you know, oh, my gosh, I have to be with my family for holidays. But <laughs> your family actually seems to like it, both growing up near your Nana and then also then on the bay because of your granddaddy. And as you said, because granddaddy liked to fish. So tell us, we want to know the secret of place and togetherness in your family. 
I, I don't know the secret, but <laughs> I grew up, like you said, Nanny, growing up at home, I've said this before, I grew up in a very rural way because my grandparents had a farm and they gave each of their kids a piece of land. So we all grew up encircling my grandparents' farm. All of my friends were my cousins. I just didn't know it at the time. I was watched over by aunts and uncles and everyone. So because we all adored Nanny and she had so much power, she she was she was a good woman. Um, you know, we we enjoyed getting together. She she was the glue. And granddaddy, he he liked to fish. We we had a good time at home as a family, and we had a good time on the bay as a family because of the two of them. Mm-hmm. It's almost as funny the parallel when we talk about Miss Wade and we talk about Nanny and we talk about Granddaddy, those strong personalities mm-hmm. that lead by you know bringing us together. What I remember most about my grandmother and Miss Wade too, they taught you things not by lecturing or giving you a lesson. It was by example. You know, just listen to, you know, let me help you out through the situation. It was, it was no lecture, no lesson, no formal anything. It was just they taught by example. Well, and in the piece, Stuart, then the, the local scoop, there's a beautiful photo, you know, of your granddaddy that, you know, we'll link all of that in the show notes. But it's just, you know, it's so fun, you know, to see him and read the story. But it, it also struck Wynn and I because it's, as you said, your nanny, Miss Wade, your granddaddy, the power of traditions, you know, and kind of honoring some of those rituals. And but he also knew himself. That man, from what we read, he loved to fish. He was on a mission to fish and he pulled the rest of the family in. And, you know, you're kind of continuing those traditions in your own way, you know, with your place just a little, you know, down the water by the bay. And uh, when and I kind of joke that maybe your granddaddy liked to fish, but maybe, you know, because you're a granddad now, maybe, you know, one day it's granddaddy liked to write and tell stories, <laughs> right? But, I, you know, as you think about all of that and creating those traditions and trying to keep those memories alive, how is all of that important to you as a, a beautiful human following and the legacy of those that came before you? Well, I did come from a big family who enjoyed traditions, but, you know, not just holiday traditions, any day traditions. We did all get together for no reason sometimes just to, you know, we would make homemade ice cream on my grandmother's well, or, you know, somebody has a watermelon, come and eat it. You know, we just, we enjoyed the tradition. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather did like to fish and all that started because of him. But I think he might not have known what was going to hit him, you know, <laughs> once he started that. Yeah. Because everyone just said, hey, that is a fun place. Let's go. And um, this Thanksgiving was nice because I had that local scoop story out. We were talking about it, but my grandfather and my grandson was here. So I got, I took a picture. I got him to hold the magazine open to that article. You know, so I said, you know, he's, my grandson is holding on, on a magazine with an article about my grandfather. And you know, my grandfather would never ever, ever thought that would, you know, <laughs> would happen. So. Yeah. Local celebrity. Well, and, and you write in your piece, Family reunions are large gatherings, kids in the water, lawn chairs in the shade, and laughter in the air. Relatives from far and wide end up sprinkled across the yard, the beach, and the deck, gathered together ultimately because granddaddy liked to fish. Oh my gosh, like just drop the mic. (laughs) I'm I'm a happy girl. It just, it sets such a beautiful scene. It's a, yeah, warms me all over. 
he may have thought he was going to have a private place to go and fish, but everyone <laughs> fooled him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did he, did he ever say, we have to be quiet in order to fish? <laughs> no, I think that he was, you know, all he, I'm sure all he did was smile and say, you know, come on. You know, that's, yeah, how, okay. that's how my family is. Yeah. My, my four-year-old son tried fishing for the first time this summer. Uh-oh. And he put the line into the water. He pulled it out. He did it like three times, and he's like, <laughs> "Where's the fish?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, it's called fishing. It's not called catching." <laughs> <laughs> we tried Good. to teach my grandson to fish, or his father did while they were there. My my daughter, his mother, she was worried about. He's only five. She was worried about him having a fishing pole with a hook in it. And oh. my my son-in-law said, "Oh, don't worry." You know, that that's just a rubber fish tied onto the string. And she looked at me, she said, you mean he'll never catch a fish? I said, he'll never catch a fish. But, <laughs> you know, but he's learning the process. That's the first step. Yeah. There's a lot of patience in the process. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that that's kind of a great segue um, into both of these pieces that speak to steadiness. I mean, Miss Wade to keep it the course um, and the family cottage as a retreat of carefree happiness because you've kept steady with the traditions is that the key to surfing the ups and downs in life well it's one i use i don't know that it's the key but um you know so often we we freak out or we have to hurry or this is not working or that's not working and sometimes you just have to hold on you know be still things will they'll work out and it's yes you have to take baby steps to get out of these holes but don't don't freak if it doesn't you know happen tomorrow just hold on and uh, we've all been in in low points i've been in mine but you get you know one step at a time you get out of that stuff Mm -hmm. but you can't uh you can't let the big picture bog you down just hold on and and get out of it yeah Yeah. when i think people sometimes in my experience miss that opportunity to figure out where do they find renewal? And it seems like your family, Stuart, has always found comfort in the water of the bay. It is, it's part of you all, right? And some people go to beaches and mountains or need water. But for you and your family, you're stoking, you know, the fire, all those traditions to continue forward. And I I love the story of taking the photo you're with a magazine with mm-hmm. your granddad in it, but you can't imagine your happy place being anywhere but the bay. No, it's always been mine. And like I said, that uh, we're so big on traditions and the bay has always been a giant percentage of those traditions. The traditions are what is, you know, fa- falling back on good old family stuff that's unknown and is comforting and makes you feel secure. Those thoughts alone can help you get through you know, a rough time. So traditions, the, the bay feeds into that tradition, which feeds into, yeah. you know, helping me keep my balance anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The long view provided by family, mm-hmm. providing that balance. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and just coming off of Thanksgiving, we were joking before when hit record that so much of that bringing families together is the, the fun and the revelry around family food you know, and, and dishes that everyone expects and kind of being together to celebrate and yeah, all of that matters. So 
we just finished Thanksgiving, but did you, since we spoke to you last, did you have some fun barbecues? And I'm, I'm not a bay person, but I know that there's some like shellfish stuff going on, right? Did you have fun <laughs> doing all of that over the summer? Yeah, there's always food. There was a lot of that here at the bay. But yeah, just we just enjoyed the summer and the water and the newness of having this place. We just got it last year. So um, we've just had a good time settling in and waiting for our family to come and friends to come next year. It's, it's, it's pretty all the time, but summers are, you know, the bay is a great place in the summer. Wonderful. Well, and then what is ahead for holiday time? Does everyone come back around one more time before everything is completely a frozen tundra? No, they won't be here for Christmas. They were here for things. My, both of my kids live in other states, so they have other things they're going to be doing for Christmas, but they were here for Thanksgiving. It was great. And now um, we're just recuperating from that. <laughs> but they'll be back in the summer. Awesome. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, beautiful. I I love, um, I think we're starting a tradition where we get to have you on a few times a year. <laughs> Can we call it Yay. a tradition yet? Sure. <laughs> absolutely it's a tradition of storytelling sitting around the microphone that's a that's a good one it is it's a pretty good one and we love having your time and your attention and thank you well thank you i always love talking to you guys well we love it too because you give us that dose of what matters most and it's Mm -hmm. it's so easy for you because it just kind of comes out of you but we're grateful so are our listeners so thank you so much Stuart. no thank you i appreciate being invited back Thank you for listening. Our music is composed for sharing the heart of the matter by the exquisitely talented duo of Jack Canfora and Rob Koenig. For show notes and more great inspiration, please visit our site at sharingtheheartofthematter.com. <laughs>